Currently, the weather community uses the Saffir-Simpson scale to communicate potential property damage due to hurricane force winds. At its core, the Saffir-Simpson hurricane wind scale is a 1 to 5 category rating based on a hurricane's sustained wind speed. However, recently the weather community has begun to question whether categorizing hurricanes based solely on their wind speed can effectively communicate the multitude of hazards that often accompany tropical weather. To address this concern, AccuWeather recently announced on January 9th at the American Meteorological Society annual meeting that they will begin using a new AccuWeather Real Impact Scale for hurricanes starting in 2019. To explain the AccuWeather Real Impact Scale for hurricanes, here's a brief clip of a video that accompanied the press release and announcement of the new scale. To better measure storms, AccuWeather has developed a new system of measurement known as the AccuWeather Real Impact Scale, which looks at the full impact a hurricane might have. AccuWeather began developing the scale following Hurricane Harvey in 2017. We recognize there's an opportunity to develop a new scale that gets right at the impacts in any particular area. The AccuWeather Real Impact Scale uses six levels to rate a storm's strength. It includes a rating of less than one for hurricanes and tropical storms, which may be significant, but aren't quite a category one in terms of impact. Although a much needed step in our community and a topic we have been discussing for years, meteorologists are asking, is it too soon to put this new Real Impact Scale into practice? To answer this question, we will dive deep into AccuWeather's Real Impact Scale, discuss the positives and negatives that accompany such a drastic change to the weather community, and ask some tough questions relating to the social scientific aspects of this new scale. All of that and more on this episode of Weather Hype, a podcast where we talk about weather, climate, and how it affects you. I'm Castle. And I'm Min. Cue music. <laughs> there you go. Sounds good. We'll do that. Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together Thought I was sunshine, but baby, I'm bad weather I'm off the Doppler in the five-day forecast By the time they hear me, I've already pushed the shore back No, no, I wasn't always like this Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency I could take you February and turn it into spring I was born on a storm when I get gone, I get gone And I don't need anyone to know better Welcome back, everybody, to season four of Weather Hype. Woohoo! We've made it, Castle. We've gone season where four. no other weather park. Po- no, that's not true. <laughs> other weather podcasts have gone to season thought, four, but I never thought we would make it to season four. Did you ever think we would make it? Yeah, to season four? I thought we would. Psh, I didn't. Season two, I was like <laughs> canceled. <laughs> well, our ratings have just been skyrocketing. Really, you know, <laughs> the numbers mm. are just so going so high and. No, I en- think if you replace skyrocketing with plateauing, it might be a little more accurate. <laughs> but really, I mean, that's, that doesn't really paint a good picture, you know? When it's skyrocketing, like Everest level, not plateau level. But in this day and age, we need to share the truth. So. You're right. You're right. Exactly. You're just so <laughs> right about that. We're not trying to, you know, pamper ourselves or pad anything. You know, our ratings have stayed similar to what they were maybe a year or two years ago. Consistent, but you might even cons- say. <laughs> <laughs> this castle's favorite word, isn't it? Um, you know, our investors are just so proud of the accomplishments we've made. All the people who are, you know, investing money into our podcasts, aka you and me, and our, aka us, and our, maybe our families. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, just me. Yep. Yeah, just me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So just us. We're, so we're finding our own way. Yay! That's good. You know, that shows the, the spirit yes. of entrepreneurship. We're independent. 
I N D E P E N D E N T. Do you know what that means? Yes, it means funding your own podcast. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> anyway, um, Castle, you've been doing all right? I am. I was going to say we should probably tell everyone that we actually saw each other in person. We did. And hung out for like a whole weekend because I went to Denver. A whole freaking a weekend. A whole weekend. It was like two days and a little bit of one. Yo, okay. I got Castle kind of buzzed. It was kind of funny. No, it was you got me more than buzzed. You weren't like drunk. I don't know. I've never been drunk. I don't know what feeling drunk is, but that was rough. <laughs> I just want to point that out that my head felt very heavy and we had to walk like a long way still, but it's okay. True. Also, we went into a TJ Maxx. And <laughs> that, that was, was a, a whole rough. new shopping experience for you. I don't think you've ever gone into a TJ it Maxx really not sober before. No, 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 never. You it know, was it was pretty interesting. I'll say that. That's how I always go into TJ Maxx. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, that's why I buy everything. You know, I'm like, ooh, it feels so good. Uh, we get that shirt, get that pillow, sure. get all the things. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, that's how I do. Anyway, so we had ciders because I wanted to try cider because I've never had it before. And um, so we just got a flight each. Not only they gave us like four, we got to pick four different kinds. Mm -hmm. And I only drank three of them. Yeah, I drank my four and I drank one of yours. And it was, I mean, rough. (laughs) (laughs) But we later figured out that it was probably the altitude that kind of got to me. Yeah, I'm thinking the altitude, maybe if you didn't drink enough water that day too, being a little bit dehydrated. And also we had like a muffin for breakfast. I had a scone. It was marvelous. Okay. My muffin was amazing as well, but I don't think it Would you like me to butter your muffin? I'm going to ignore that. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Wow. Um, I don't think it was very nourishing in a situation. I mean, it's a muffin. It's not like a freaking like five star lunch. <laughs> in my defense, I said, Castle, would you like to get some alcohol before lunch? You said, oh, I'm good with whatever. <laughs> I, well, I had never done this before. So I was relying I on your expertise. I knew when you said that. I was like, oh, this is going to be good. I was a little worried too because we were like maneuvering next to like oncoming traffic. and I mean, I got you, dude. I'm not going to let yeah, you get I hit. I got you. You know, I know me. it, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I laughed a lot. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> we had good food other than the, the ciders that we had. We had good food overall. Oh, you had a great yeah? food. Yeah. We yes. had the pho was amazing. Pho was amazing. Bubble, bubble, bubble tea, tea was amazing. Then we had, well, the only thing that, that we had that wasn't place good. Was good. Smash burger you had. Yeah, the Mongolian so place good. was a little subpar. Wasn't really a fan yeah. of that. Sorry about that. Sub, sub, subpar. Yeah. But then we had Korean fried chicken. What was that place called so we can put it on blast? Um, Who Hot. Who Hot. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. It's like a chain and you can like pick your meat, pick your vegetables, pick your like broth and then they grill it for you. Um, But it just wasn't good. And the chicken was like thin and frozen as F. Flash frozen. Yeah. yeah. It did not. It was, ugh. it looked like jerky, like frozen jerky almost. It was weird. Um, the so, shrimp was really good, though. Yeah, but it was like baby, teeny, tiny shrimp, you know? It's not yeah. like the good Georgia shrimp that you can get in, in the waters and stuff, but anyway. Also, the baby corn on the cob was really gross. I've never <laughs> had that before. Baby corn? It, it probably wasn't the restaurant. It was probably just the baby corn, but it was, <laughs> it was really gross. You didn't see the farm that was in behind the restaurant where they grow the baby corn? The the baby farm? <laughs> oh, that sounded bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what we're going for. Um, but Oops. yeah, it was it was good overall. But um, And then we went to Boulder and we went hiking went and I saw snow. Yep, yep. And we went to in car when no one was there. 
their AMS. <laughs> yeah, we picked a, a very uh, quiet time to go to Endicar for sure. But yeah, no, it was a good was experience cool. overall. I really enjoyed and appreciated you coming out here and, uh, you know, get to yeah, see you fun. every now and then, which is nice because we're kind of far away. So we try to, you know, maximize yes. and, and work around each other's schedules as much as we can. Um, but yeah, no, I uh, appreciate it. And it was so much fun. A few weird things happened, but, you know, we can go into that later if you want. <laughs> uh, um, and so from Denver, I then jumped on a plane to Phoenix. Hop to the plane to Phoenix. PHX. There you go. Did you have a, um, a dream and a cardigan? I did not. Oh. And you, I did not wear a cardigan either. You have a dream? A dream. I mean, I'm sure I had a dream. See? So there you go. I mean, we're just trying to emulate Miley. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I did. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I joke's did, over. I did get on a plane to PHX and then got in an Uber at like two o'clock in the morning yeah, yeah, yeah. and finally got into bed at like three in the morning after ironing and stuff. And then I had two amazing days at AMS catching up with people and seeing people and chit chatting and seeing presentations and chairing presentations and, um, doing the it was most so much fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, but also like a marathon oh, yeah. as we all know. Um, and there, the AMS plague was going around. Did you get it? Luckily, I did not get okay, it. No, good. this is the first year I've never gotten sick after AMS. I mean, this is the shortest feeling... amount of time that you've been at AMS. Too, yeah, right? and I have a feeling that is the relationship exactly right there. <laughs> every AMS before this, I've gone Friday to Friday. Yeah. And this year I went Sunday to Tuesday. Well, there you go. Yeah. It's just like when the longer you're there, the more tired you get, the least, the less amount of um, rest yep, you get, sleep. and you see people all yep. the time. You're partying, you're drinking, you're eating, you know, yep. and you come into more contact with people. So it's only natural that you know your chances of getting sick are higher if you're there longer. But um, yep, I could not go to AMS unfortunately this year. It sounded like you had a lot of fun. Um, first time in six years that I haven't gone because I think last time I went was 2014. And so um, I'm hoping to go to Boston next year for the 100th centennial. Woo-hoo. Hopefully we'll see. I'll try to block that off my uh, schedule for 2020. <laughs> you should but, do it now. <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? Um, excuse me, FEMA, can I take off? <laughs> Hopefully we won't worry about any hurricanes happening then. Uh, no, but I'm worried about having a giant snowstorm in Boston. Yeah, true, true. We'll see. Which would also be kind of cool at the same time. It would be, except if you're um, stranded, you can't get home and you have sure, to go to work. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. That me. Um. Anyway, you probably have to edit some of this out because we've talked for 10 minutes and we haven't even talked oh, about the topic. I don't care. <laughs> this is like an introduction to season four. True. It's warranted. You're right. It's warranted. You're right. Okay, fine. But I think it would be nice to kind of talk about a little bit of what you refer to in the intro. And that is a new scale for hurricane impacts called the Real Impact Scale from AccuWeather Enterprises. And so it's interesting and we're hoping to dive a little bit more into it and uh, kind of talk about what they've said before in their news releases and in interviews with um, different media outlets and then kind of bring it all together and talk about the core fundamentals of, you know, social science, physical science and how we're thinking it it might go this hurricane season when they use it. And also, I think uh, a big conversation within this podcast is also going to be like the intersection of public, private. Yeah. 
uh, partnerships too. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but starting off a little bit too, the Saffir-Simpson scale, that is what most people know to be what we use in the National Hurricane Center, National Weather Service on TV, pretty much everywhere where you get a hurricane forecast that the public you know, consumes that information. They're looking at Saffir Simpson scale, and you've know you you definitely heard about it and and have heard about it because it's on a category scale from category one to five, and you also have tropical storm, tropical depression, you know things of that nature. But the Saffir Simpson scale is is mainly for hurricanes that are seventy four mile, miles per hour or higher. Um, so there's category one seventy four to ninety five miles per hour, um, category two ninety six to one hundred and ten, so on and so forth. And the category five is any hurricane with one hundred and fifty seven miles per hour sustained winds or higher than that. And you know we've had plenty of storms in recent memory that have been category five storms. But the idea for I guess why AccuWeather wanted to create a new impact scale is something we've been talking about in the weather community for quite some time. When you look at storms that are category one or maybe even a tropical storm, um, the idea is that people aren't taking these storms seriously because their categories aren't high enough for people to really think, oh, this is you know potentially threatening to me. And that's not the case all the time because we can see that, for instance, Hurricane Florence this past year in September um, wreaked havoc on North Carolina, even though it was technically only a category one at landfall, it was you know forecast to meander along the North Carolina South Carolina coast for quite some time, and was forecast to dump a lot of heavy rain, cause a lot of um, inland flooding and a lot of storm surge along the coast, and so you know a lot of people have been talking about it for a while, but AccuWeather actually finally put it into practice and said you know what we are all talking about it, no one's really doing much about it. Why don't we be the ones to put out a new impact scale? and tried out this hurricane season for 2019. Another big part of it is making sure that we are including several different hazards into the Saffir-Simpson scale. And I think that is another big motivation behind AccuWeather's real impact scale is that we're introducing not only winds, but also flooding rains and storm surge, as well as economic impact from the storm. So I think that is another big kind of takeaway and novel approach that AccuWeather is taking with this real impact scale is moving away from just the use of wind, but also including each of these other hazards that we know to be very important in communicating hurricane risk and threat. Maybe we could go down through some of the press release bullet points you have here um, and just walking people through, I guess, for instance, Min, why don't you kind of break down what the real impact scale is going to look like? Yeah, sure. So based on the news release from AccuWeather, um, it's going to be a six point scale. And so similar to the Saffir Simpson scale where they have category one through five, this real impact scale from AccuWeather will also have a one to five scale, but also they'll have a um, six additional um, level or scale or category, if you will. Yeah. And the last, um, that will actually be preceding the one to five and it'll be a less than one designation for a storm. So I'm assuming that's kind of um, not necessarily meaning a tropical storm, but just meaning that the impact right. of whatever storm it is, isn't expected to be very much. And like Castle said, it's going to cover, you know, more of the different impacts that Saffir Simpson scale doesn't because that one only focuses really on wind and sustained wind speeds for the real impact scale, um, rain, high wind, storm surge, and again, that damage impact. And that's really important to look at too. So the idea is the real impact scale will be a little bit more comprehensive in looking at how a storm will impact people, impact communities, 
And so here's a quote from Joel Myers, the CEO of AccuWeather. He said, unlike the very limited Saffir-Simpson scale, which accounts only for wind speed, the more comprehensive AccuWeather real impact scale for hurricanes properly informs people about the real impacts of a storm so they can utilize the most accurate information to make the decisions to protect themselves, their families, and their property from all the dangers and risks of tropical storms and hurricanes. So that's what they're going for. I think we can all agree that that is something that we are looking into and have looked into as a community of meteorologists and communicators. But um, there are some issues, I think, with um, what they're coming up with, because we don't really know how they're coming up with the um, the different categories. We don't know if there's a, if the hurricane forms and they give it a category three. They have an algorithm that's kind of top secret for them. They won't really release that information to everybody else of how they figure out if this storm is a, you know, real impact level three or real impact level four. And that's difficult for us to understand because the Stafford Simpson scale is very transparent. It tells you why, you know, based on the wind speed, why the hurricane or the storm is a certain category. But for this one, it seems to be a little bit more subjective in terms of how we would figure out you know, or determine what a storm would be. Yeah, I think this is, I kind of want to go point by point, if you will yeah, let's do it. follow me along with this. Um, just thinking about, thinking out loud some of these different points um, and kind of approaching it from not only like, as we talked about before, like putting them on blast a bit, but also like thinking about this as something that our community has kind of been craving or or wanting or talking about that that we really need. And so I think it's important that we break each of these points down about what the real impact scale is bringing to the table and thinking about maybe some of the positives and negatives of both. Um, So the first one is this idea that it similarly uses a one to five rating, but also adds in that additional less than one. Um, so how do you feel about that? Or what are maybe some positives and negatives that you see? And I mean, chime in after sure. You. So I think the one to five, that's exactly like yeah. the Saffir Simpson scale. Um, that to me is more problematic than it would be uh, helpful because then if you're going a one to five, you say, you know, this is a, um, real impact scale level one storm or category one. I think in the video um, that Joel Myers or John Porter, who's with AccuWeather, um, said categories like this is a category two or this would have been a category four using the same exact um, wording as a Saffir Simpson scale, I think could be very, very confusing because if you're saying, oh, well, I heard from AccuWeather, this storm is a category two, but then like my local meteorologist on TV said, this is a category one. Like, what is it? Because people really do put a lot of um, emphasis and thought into what category a hurricane is. So to me, immediately, I'm thinking that could be really confusing. Though, I guess if you're going about the idea of consistency, then I guess that's nice that they have one to five and also maybe using that same word category to distinguish between the different levels of what they're um, categorizing for the impacts of our storm. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I was going to say. I think when we think about this from a consistency perspective, it has both those positives and negatives. So I just want to ask, um, I think you just said it, but I may have missed it. So they're also going to be using category blank with their real impact scale? Yeah. Okay. That was my question because I've in a, in a several of the news articles that we've, that we've, that you've kind of selected for us to read over they would use the word rating scale Mm -hmm. level it's kind of like inconsistent if you will about what this actually is and how they would kind of communicate it yeah um but if you said they are going to use category then i think 
that kind of solves the question. Um, but yeah, it, it it is consistent in that it's using similar terminology in order to convey a threat. But when you think about the negatives of it, it is, again, consistency concerns of, oh, I'm turning to this channel and it's a category two and I'm turning to this channel and it's a category five. Yeah. And that. That's going to be problematic. <laughs> yes. Oh, I think it's very problematic. In terms of consistency, yes, you're being consistent in that you're using a similar scale, but you're being conflicting in the way that you are communicating that threat. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the communication of the threat is what is important to be consistent Correct. with, not the, oh, we're using the same numbers in a scale yeah. or we're using the same words in a scale. You know? Yeah, yeah. And to clarify too, I don't know specifically if they will be using the word category, category. but they in probably the video, haven't thought about it to be honest. In a promo video that um that they did, they said category, and I I was noticing in the comment section of the video people saying, well, I mean, if you guys want to do that, great, but don't use the word category because you're going to confuse people when they look at it. I mm-hmm. mean, it might be the real impact is RI, right? So they might be RI one, RI two, RI three, four, oh, and gosh. five. So Rhode you know, Island one, Rhode Island two. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's you know that's what they're they're going for. But I I just I think so they announced this at the American Meteorological Society meeting that you were at Castle, and I think they mm-hmm. did that on purpose based on their news release because they wanted to see and solicit feedback from the weather community right then and there. I don't know if it was a big deal or that it was made a big yeah. deal because I don't know if anybody really went to that uh, session or, you know, the unveiling of that idea. But I'm thinking to myself, like, this is a good time to do it because you're getting a lot of, you know, meteorologists' attention. It definitely blew up on weather Twitter. People were talking about it and discussing it. But at the same time, a lot of other people who were busy at AMS or busy doing other things didn't even know about it, I'm sure. So this might be the first time they're hearing about it. Um, I like the idea, though, of doing it in a very public and open setting where you can get a lot of feedback or criticism or praise for what you're doing. What I don't like about the unveiling is there's so many more questions and we'll, we'll continue to go through their news release and some of the articles that discuss this new real sure. impact scale. But there's just so many, I mean, a two minute video and a, a small news release isn't really going to do much. I try to find it on their website, like a web page to talk about it a little bit more or see what they would say. I couldn't find anything, just like a graphic, a video and like an, an article from them. And I was hoping that they would at least detail a little bit more about how they plan to implement it. And I, I want to skip ahead a little bit. If you don't mind, Castle, I, I saw that there was sure. a question you had about if they're communicating this threat will they continue communicating it and using the Saffron Simpson scale and then their scale as mm. as well? Or are they only yeah. going to use their real impact scale? Because that, yeah. that's going to be kind of problematic too, right? Like they're doing their own thing and not even listening to the National Hurricane Center. I think that could be problematic. Yeah, I think um, that was the question that I had after reading some of the stuff that you sent. And I think that it could be a redeeming quality if they share both and they kind of spin this RI scale as like, this is us trying to incorporate a lot of different factors. So this is why this is different, you know? Yeah. Um, but also showing like the, the National Hurricane Center is considering this a category three, but because we're also including the economic impact of its hit on, say, hypothetically like Miami, then it's considered an RI of five for us. And they like split screen both kind of scales. 
I think in that instance, it could be a little bit better in that they're kind of explaining and going into like in depth and giving some airtime to this category, to the Saffir Simpson scale too. But I can also see that as being like, what the heck? Like, why is this number different than this number different? You know? Yeah. Um, Just if they screen capture that and start sharing it on Twitter. So, so speaking of that, they have examples of what past hurricanes would rate as if they use the real impact rating. And right. so for Hurricane Florence, like we talked about, for the Saffir Simpson scale, when it made landfall in North Carolina, it was a category one. But for AccuWeather's real impact rating, it would be an RI4. Um, Hurricane Harvey back in 2017 that flooded Houston and southeast Texas and parts of Louisiana as well. That was category four on the Saffir Simpson. It's an RI5 on AccuWeather's new rating. Um, There's a few more too, right, Castle? Yeah, there are a few others. So they also looked at Irma, which was a category five in Cuba and a category three when it land- made landfall in Florida. And they considered that an RI5. And then Hurricane Maria was a Category 5, and they also denoted it as an RI5. And then lastly is Hurricane Sandy, which, as we know, was kind of a a difficult uh, thing to categorize, whether it's like a post-tropical storm. A winter storm. um, A winter storm or, you know, so that ended up being getting a designation of Category 1 with the Saffir-Simpson scale. But then because of, I think, the economic impact and the storm surge that it brought to the the area and the community, they rated it an RI of 5. Yeah. And there was one last example, too. Back in, I believe, 2001, Hurricane or sorry, Tropical Storm Allison technically was only a tropical storm right but it flooded houston i remember i had family there and they're talking about that um it's an ri5 on AccuWeather's real impact rating and so you know they use whatever simulation and um algorithms that they have to look back at these storms look at the damage the economic losses that were incurred by the storm and then also other types of impacts and were able to rate it so it'd be very interesting to see you know, when they're looking at future storms in 2019, what they would rate something as. Um, because, okay, you know how they call those like fish storms in the Atlantic castle where they just right. like float around or they, they are in the Atlantic, but they never really hit anything. What right. what do you, wait, what do you give that? An RI like less than one because it won't hit anybody? <laughs> that doesn't, you know, like that to me is like an, a, a quick example that I already have no idea what it would be like. Yeah. And I think a lot of these things I'm starting to think about are, concern I don't know concerning is the right word but there are a lot of like very intricate details that I think have to be considered like the example you just gave so we're obviously going to have wind with that right yeah um so there will technically or hopefully or maybe be an eye wall of some sort that will have some sort of wind speed that we can attribute to the RI rating yeah but then there wouldn't be any storm surge potential yeah so would that be zero but then like if you're multiplying these different factors then it becomes uh, an ri of zero um and then again the economic rating would probably be zero um the flooding impact would again be zero so like at that point it is the saffir simpson scale yeah um (laughs) so um i don't know it's just it's very intriguing to say the least and i think another kind of example that i've been thinking of is will the the, will the ri rating differ by area oh true because if you're thinking about oh my gosh major like an urban center (laughs) like miami um they're gonna have a like an extreme higher economic 
uh, yeah. impact. So they might be an RI five, but then you go to a rural town that's like a little bit north of Miami that's still like on the beach. Yeah, would they be like an RI of three? And also landfall location, right? The area that gets right. the, the eye wall will see yep. the most damage. Will they have a you know, higher RI versus somewhere that's further away from the, the more devastating part of the storm? Will there be like tornado watch boxes or will these like, war- will there be a warning that goes in inland, like from the coast? Like what, what's going to happen? Because these are impacts. It's a, it isn't just like the, well, I guess it's a categorization of the storm, but you're looking at the impact. So like, to me, if we look at Hurricane Florence again, right? The damage was like all along the coast, but also inland in North Carolina and South Carolina. And then how far out does that RI5 or RI4 go into the the states? Does it kind of stop and then it becomes RI3, 2, 1? I'm assuming no, because I guess like the RI only is associated with the storm itself and not the location that it's getting hit. Right. So, but that's still a great idea and thought. Yeah, because then you're kind of oversimplifying the economic impact or yeah. kind of leveling it out almost as like this whole area is going to experience the same economic impact. Yeah. Or they're conglomerate. Maybe they're creating some sort of conglomerate of like the economic damage from this entire storm will be blah. Yeah. Um, but the other question I have, it, which I mean is for our, some of our economic social science people is how do you calculate economic impact for something that, hasn't happened and you don't know how it's going to impact things so i know that fema and emergency managers use the hazards program i do not remember what it stands for but you're able to calculate um potential economic losses or like um structures that are damaged or destroyed um everything is tabulated very um in a very complex and crazy way that i will never Mm -hmm. be able to understand but there are simulation models that can somewhat predict you know, what kind of levels we're looking at and when a hurricane makes landfall and affects a certain area based on the um, hurricane, National Hurricane Center forecasts. So sometimes they're they're pretty good. Sometimes they're not so great because they don't take into a certain, you know, something into account. But we do have that technology and, and it's always improving. But that's the um, HAZUS program, H-A-Z-U-S. Yeah, no, we can forecast and it, you know, could or could not be accurate. But, um, you know, based on some of the more recent storms, it would probably get an RI5 rating. And that kind of goes to the question then, Castle. A lot of these storms we've looked at that were pretty impactful are RI4 or RI5. And it makes me wonder, what if a lot of storms come in at RI4 or RI5? It's like saying every storm is a category four or five. That's what people are going to hear even though it's like the RI scale, right? Yeah, so I wish in the press release they would have included other examples, maybe like other intense examples to see how they would have translated. Yeah. So like a category one or two that like was impactful, but not like Florence level or like Harvey level, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so that we could see how it's kind of scaling because like, as you just said, that's my initial concern after seeing how these... Uh, new real impact scales are mapping onto the Saffir Simpson scale is 
that there are a lot of RI5s. And that is another concern of like, not necessarily, not necessarily like hyping, um, but really drawing a lot of attention to these serious storms, but that each storm appears serious. Yeah. When the like the rating system is there for a reason to show people like how it how it can vary from like not super intense to like world ending you yeah, know and yeah. so if we if we have like four and fives every time i'm afraid people are going to get fatigued or um they're not going to take that one like harvey or irma seriously or even if those are ri one two or three they'll be like oh well that's not a big deal sure that can still yeah, kill you exactly you know yeah um exactly so i mean that that just kind of to me is like all right how much work was put into this and did we really think about the human dimensions of the the uh using this Mm -hmm. new scale did we look at talking to people doing focus groups surveys or anything like that i think that level of transparency letting the weather community know what kind of work was really put into it as opposed to ah we developed this like you know completely mathematical algorithm and this is what we got that doesn't fly when you're looking at how it affects people. If you're looking at impacts, then you really need to see and talk to people and you know try to understand how the scale would impact them, not just the impacts of the hurricane itself. Exactly. And I can tell you right now that I'm going to go that there was a big old goose egg of social science research done, done on this. <laughs> because I think that would be super cool and people would want to show that. Yeah, for sure. It would, it would be such a huge selling point that, you know what, we came up with this, and yeah, it's crazy, but you know what, we actually talked to people, we talked to emergency managers, we talked to people making decisions at local community levels, we talked to members of the many publics that we have, and they all like this too. And here's the research that shows this, or here's the study that shows this, or here's the interviews that show this. Yeah. And I think if we had that, it would be so... Like it would just sell their their product, even though I guess they're not really selling it per se, but it would sell the idea of this new scale or this new rating or whatever the heck it is. Yeah. A lot more. So this is where I kind of have another problem as well is, you know, I don't know if people would AccuWeather talk to the folks at the Hurricane Center or the National Weather Service or NOAA or anybody mm-hmm. like that. They definitely didn't talk to emergency managers, I don't think, because there's uh, a lot of talk about how emergency managers will use that information and talk to their partners about that kind of stuff. Because what are we going to tell them? Oh, the RI5 category two, like that's just got to add complexity to communicating the message and getting life-saving advice across, you know? And it just makes me kind of frustrated because again, uh, if you're doing anything drastic in the weather community, you kind of should talk to people about it and and let each other know what you're doing. I don't know if this announcement of this real impact scale surprised anybody in the Hurricane Center community or in the weather community itself. Like other people, maybe they knew about it ahead of time and were, Mm -hmm. you know, talked to about it ahead of time. But I just feel like this just came out of the blue and maybe these discussions weren't had. But, you know, with the hurricane or I'm sorry, with the winter storms for the Weather Channel, there was some kind of attribution in the news release or I believe... um in a news article that Joel Myers was talking, he said, well, you know, the Weather Channel is doing hurricane na- uh, um, winter storm names and no one's, you know, complaining about that anymore. Um, I mean, people still are complaining, 
but they are yeah and i believe they <laughs> Let's make that clear yeah people are still complaining <laughs> um but at the same time you know i think there is healthy conversation about winter storm naming but also i get that they also didn't really consult with anybody either before they did that or maybe they did and the idea was kind of like nah we really don't want to do that name winter storms and they went ahead and did it anyway so i guess that kind of attitude is similar in a way with this new system for accuweather it's kind of like all right well people are talking about it but not doing really anything about it so why don't we be the ones to do it um i mean do you think if we change gears real quick do you think winter storm naming is working like i will say I will get to your question in a second, but I will say, I think I kind of hinted at this at the beginning. And I think this really comes down to us being an enterprise and working together and making sure that we have these government private sector partnerships where we're talking to one another. We're building off of one another. We're kind of improving things together instead of making these like abrupt decisions that kind of throw people off track who may have already been doing research in the National Hurricane Center on this topic. Um, so I think what it comes down to is thinking, how is this going to impact us as a whole enterprise? Because we're all like, we all have the same end goal, right? To save life and property. Mm -hmm. We all have that same end goal. So if we can all work together to meet that goal, then I think we're doing a great job together. Yeah. But, um, to answer your question, which was, uh, how, what is the status on winter storm naming, kind of, or do you think people well, are kind of like uh, appreciative of it? Just or the it, compares, comparing and tra- contrasting them, or <laughs> all right, lots of questions. Um, Sorry, <laughs> you're fine. I think just trying to clarify, just trying to mirror the two different ideas in a way mm. that the okay. Weather Channel maybe went a little bit rogue and decided to name winter storms, Ooh, even when people, yeah, right, even when people were like, eh, maybe don't do that. Or the, the public sector was like, yeah, we're not going to take that or adopt that. And they're like, okay, well, we'll do it. So maybe AccuWeather, <clears throat> excuse me, is similar in that way where they are going rogue and they're like, well, maybe they did talk to people and they said, no, nah, we don't really feel like doing a new scale quite yet, but we're going to look into it. And they're like, oh, we'll go ahead and do it. Um, looking at this, like successes and failures or maybe quickly, are the winter storm names helping or, or, or are they worse than it was before they started naming storms? And then maybe could that also... Um, be indicative of how AccuWeather and their real impact scale might function. Will it be a, a flop or will it be successful too? Sure. Um, so I, be, I think the big difference when I'm thinking about the two, the real impact scale and winter storm naming from the Weather Channel is two big things. The first being the Weather Channel isn't conflicting or overriding something that the National Hurricane Center or that the National Weather Service or NOAA already does. They're not stepping on any toes technically they're not yeah they're not technically they're not overriding a national weather service naming a winter storm yeah the national weather service and the hurricane center only name hurricanes so in effect they're taking something that they think works well and putting it on another hazard yeah um also the like uk met office does this already and they've had a lot of success they've won awards for um, being able to name the winter storms um, and they feel like it's been very successful at creating effective communication and in so, ways that people can really get to the source of the information they need using hashtags yeah the like so i think in that regard they've been the winter storms have been very successful when thinking about the real impact rating and how it may be 
similar or different. I think it goes back to what I just said of they are now creating something that is stepping on the toes of the National Hurricane Center. There's something that they are in direct competition with in order to convey hurricane information to the public. So instead of the Weather Channel's naming system that is is adding a new dimension to winter weather communication, I think in the instance of the real impact rating, it is kind of working in parallel and at times probably conflicting with the National Hurricane Center. Well, so adding so think, information, but also all those mm-hmm. adding information, adding the complexity and confusion kind of, right? Sure. I will. I would say that you're only adding information if people understand what information you're adding. No, true. That's good. So my concern is that, again, we simplify things so much that they're like real impact rating of five. And so people just take away that five. Yeah. That's the five to them. They, they're not caring about the really important stuff, which is what are the wind speeds? Yeah. What are the forecasted uh, rain, like in inches, flooding potential? What are the storm surge heights? Sure. You know, um, so I'm afraid that and I'm sure that AccuWeather will v- go very in depth on all this stuff. But if they are only taking away that number, I'm afraid that we're not adding anything new. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think if this number, this RI scale is supposed to encapsulate all of these impacts, if people aren't willing to look further into why the number designation is what it is, then they're missing the whole point of simplifying it. And maybe again, maybe we're simplifying it too much, but you know, that's, I guess we'll see in 2019 hurricane season, what's going to happen. But you know, like this idea of developing these new innovative um, tools, techniques, or what have you, isn't new because the Weather Channel, in addition to doing winter storm naming, they have the TORCON, the Tornado Condition yeah. Index, which is supposed to measure um, within a 50-mile radius of a location a probability out of 1 to 10 that a tornado would occur. And so that's the thing. AccuWeather also has their uh, 45 and 90-day forecasts that they mm. claim works really well based on climatology, based on other factors as well. Um which is pretty interesting. So these, you know, the private sector is not, it's not new that they're trying out different things, but this one definitely feels like it's stepping on some toes and encroaching encroaching on a space that's traditionally been handled by the public sector. I don't know if I should go into this, but I think it, it it's really, again, stepping on toes and really approaching a line that in this day and age is like, I mean, we know that AccuWeather has been very vocal about like, the private sector being the one that should sure. like be the interface with the public and that the government should be the one that provides the data to everyone. Um, so I think that this decision kind of pushes that a little bit further and thinking about what are the intentions of AccuWeather. And I know that they want to keep people safe and property secure, but we have to f- consider like, the track record and the things that they've done in the past sure. and how this decision kind of looks on paper. And that's, that's, if you will. Yeah. That's a perspective that I, I have that I want to try to be a little bit more objective, but it's really difficult seeing the history of AccuWeather with the weather community 
um, overall, for the most part, I, I'm not trying to take sides here, but the Weather Channel has, has done a much better job of, you know, these are our partners, the National Weather Service, the Hurricane Center, they're our partners, we're working with them, we're, you know, in sync with them, even though there have been missteps in the past, like overall, they have a much better relationship. But with AccuWeather, a lot of times with the news releases that they send out, so AccuWeather Enterprises, they have clients, private sector clients, and they issue their own tornado warnings or severe weather warnings for these clients. They're not publicly available to you know you and you and I, but if you're a client, you pay for the services. AccuWeather can issue their own tornado warning that's separate from what the um, different right. local weather offices issue. So, you know, with that, a lot of times their news releases will say, well, our tornado warning was much more effective than the traditional tornado mm-hmm. warning from the weather service because it, you know, predicted that a tornado would drop, you know, 50 minutes ahead of time before the other ones did. Like, oftentimes their news releases read as like, hey, we're doing awesome stuff. We're better than what's out there right now. We should be the ones that do the stuff, do all the work and, and, and you know, and they take credit for it, which is great. Take credit where credit is due. But sure. talk about the failures, like the 90 day forecasts, all the news releases I read were like, this is great. It's going to be wonderful. A new tool that people can use to plan long term. Yeah, I've looked at that stuff and I've verified the information. It does not work very well, you know, but where is a news release that says, you know, this 90 day forecast isn't really effective. Maybe we can work on, you know, improving it or something is it's never a news release from them that says like, oh, here are some failures or I'm not aware of them. Maybe I don't read them. I don't know. But a lot of times it's like here singing our praises. Yeah. Here's the good stuff. Here's how we're awesome. Here's how we're good. And the same feel I get from reading the news release about the real impact scale. This is what it's going to do. This is what's going to happen. And, you know, there's other articles too. One by Angela Fritz from the Washington Post and the Capital Weather Gang, where she interviews Joel Myers or Joel Myers provides, you know, quotes to her questions and you know it's like he's trying to throw the people in he's like well you know the weather channel names winter storms but you know who cares like that's that's fine you know and we're gonna do our own thing um and he's saying that there's much more confusion in the community in the Mm. news over winter storm naming this was gonna save lives my real impact scale is gonna save lives and we're super proud of it i mean that's great it's a great soundbite or a great you know quote but it's really empty. It's like, okay, well, here's our part, our uh, competitors, the Weather Channel. They do this thing. It's super confusing. But you know what? Ours won't be because it just won't be. Great. Thank you for that. But that adds nothing to anything. You're just saying that. Okay, like you're getting defensive but not providing a reason why it won't be as confusing or worse than naming winter storms. Like, yeah. And that, I mean, it's a news release. So I get it. You don't go into depth yeah, about all that kind of exactly. stuff. I, I get that. Um, yeah. But it also, I guess what annoys me a little bit too is reading through the news release and seeing kind of some of the tone and the yeah, and the, yeah. the way things are worded. Um, it's like, you know, the Saffir Simpson scale that's currently being used by meteorologists is like insufficient or whatever. I'm like, yeah, we, we get that. We all know that. Like, that's not new. And then they go into a specific example you know, with Hurricane Florence, where they correctly predicted that it would stall and flood. Same thing with Hurricane Harvey. Like the whole weather community knew that. We all forecast that. It wasn't just an AccuWeather thing. It was a weather community, National Weather Service, everybody else. We all knew that was happening. So to use that as an example, as if like they knew and only they knew that the impacts would be terrible. And that's what sparked in their minds. Oh, we really need to do something better than Safra Simpson. This is not their 
only like they're not the only ones that thought about this is what i'm trying to say a lot of other people have where they get credit is for doing something about it but then the question is is it too soon to do something should there have been more research then you know is academic research does it take too long to implement the findings from that research is that to them it's like oh we don't want to wait for that takes too long we're going to go ahead and do something and see how it works you know yeah, I think the the first point to kind of your discussion is that they're a business and we have to remember that. Yeah. Um, so, of course, they're going to be like very positive in their news release and kind of promoting themselves yeah. in kind of this great way that makes their business look awesome. Um, so we have to can we have to remember that and take that into consideration as well. Um, the second point that you made is, yes, I think it's always going to be a struggle. So I'll I'll say this. So. Doing research is always going to be a struggle because there are time constraints and things that require sure. a lot of time in order to dig through, to conduct interviews, first of all, focus groups, surveys, but then to spend time digging through them and finding themes and really finding big key takeaway points that really kind of emphasize what we're trying to think about in the research. But I think where progress could be made is again thinking about this partnership between private sector companies, academic researchers, and government entities. Because when we do academic research for government entities, it takes a long time to do academic research, and then it takes twice as long for us to create some sort of, some sort of policy or get something passed or changed just because it has to go through so many checks and balances in a government entity. But if you were to take that same research to a private sector company, they could do something very quickly yeah. because they could be like, you know what? This looks great. This research looks awesome. What we can do is change this here and see what it does. So it's a really quick change. So I think if we could create some sort of, and then this is an appropriate word, but I can't think of anything else, a triad of um, the weather service private sector company and academic researchers researchers working in tandem learning from each other that could be put into practice immediately in a private sector company to see how it works yeah that way when it's time for the the weather service to to change it they have some sort of operational working plan that's like oh you know what it worked really well Mm -hmm. for xyz private sector company so it's almost like you're testing a product or it's like a um uh, what's the word they use in business, like a uh, proof of concept. Sure. Um, kind of. So I think that that could be really cool to see that happen. But again, it takes these partnerships. And of course, the private sector has to consider their business model and making money sure. and being like super novel and trademarking things and patenting things. Um, so I can see where there would be reservations in us all working together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like I talked a lot. No, so no, you're I'm good. Sorry. And I, I totally, I totally get that. And I know that, and we all know that, but it's just, it's hard to think that something like weather, I mean, yeah, that's the magic of the United States, our country, our free enterprise and, and, you know, capitalism and all that lovely stuff. But at the same time, I don't mean to get political by the way, but like it's weather. And at the end of the day, again, we all want to save lives and property, but if making money off of something prevents you from having i mean it's such a difficult intricate 
you know relationship mm-hmm. because yeah it makes total sense why don't why doesn't the private sector team up with academia and do research or they're you know they probably have their own contractors who are doing the research for them or have people internally doing the research for them but it would be really nice if we could all work together to come to a positive good solution but again every way that we do things whether it's academia public sector or private sector we're all doing things so differently that people are like you know I don't want to wait that long or I don't really agree with the way that you do things and so we're just going to do it our own way there's a lot of differences in the different communities but there are also a lot of positives and things that we do together that I feel like could really yield successful results as long as like somebody's willing to break down the barrier and say hey let's work together yeah. and it it happens sometimes um it does but you know in this case I don't think it's happening but it would be nice like you know if, if AccuWeather works with Penn State you know that's right there they can totally mm-hmm. get that to go or get that to work because um i believe in the washington post article they alluded yeah, yeah, to yeah. A, a scale called the research group is it no. kai kendall k-u-y-k-e-n-d-a-l-l a scale the k index is the only thing i know okay that it said so there was that um scale and it's from researchers at i believe uh, penn state university amanda walker and david titley and yep. they have worked on a new scale, and it's their abstracts in the um, bulletin for the American Meteorological Society. And they talk about you know using storm surge variables or economic losses and kind of coming up with that. So you know people are looking into it, people are researching this idea, this very idea. Um, but you know it's not something that people wanted to quite yet put into practice. And I think there was a quote from somebody in the Washington Post article. That was saying yep. from Ricky Rude, a University of Michigan meteorology professor, and I believe he's on um, like a kind of like a committee or something that's looking was looking into what uh, yeah. alternatives we could have for the Saffir Simpson scale. And he said, you know, um, quote unquote, uh, we decided it was premature and that they felt like we needed a whole lot of more information on how emergency managers have used the current information before we started to pr- propose new scales. So I completely agree with that statement in working in emergency management you know how is that gonna conflict with different people and how they're communicating the issue and the information you know as emergency managers we we rely on our federal partners but a lot of times too or not only federal partners but partners in general but a lot of times as well we're looking at the news or watching the news or seeing that information we want to make sure that people are understanding what is going on and not going to get confused by the fact that there will be an ri and a saffir simpson I think that I want to conclude with this quote that really infuriated me in the Washington Post article. Uh-oh. <laughs> As a conflicting information and consistency guru, <laughs> that you. when when <laughs> Joel Myers says the Weather Channel for years has been naming storms, and in my opinion, that's much more misleading, Myers said. And he noted there's confusion in every day in the media between Fox News and MSNBC and the New York Times and the Washington Post. So he finds the accusations weak. So to me, this seems like there's already conflicting information out there, so it's fine if we continue to add more to it. Yeah. that <laughs> And I cannot stand that that drives me up the wall it's like oh you know whatever we're just gonna make it even more crazy and confusing that's like our justification for doing this it is it is the justification and it's like our job is to 
clarify things. We're supposed to make things easier to understand better. Uh, so individuals feel kind of empowered to make the decision that makes but, the most sense to them and their family. <laughs> but here's the private like, sector like stance on that. Uh, we're providing a product. We're giving people more options. They can decide on their own no. what they want to do based on the information we give them. Whether or not it's good information, it's consistent information, we're just going to provide them with something because that's the right thing to do. Give everybody all the types of information that they could possibly use and let them make the decisions on their own. That's like your private sector like response to that. Like, oh, here we go. Here's some more stuff that you can look at. And then whether it works or not, we've but, done our share because we've we think that it works and that's what that's all that matters. <laughs> but I think you can have more information out there without it being confusing. Oh, I agree. I'm only speaking on you know, so <laughs> what I think. You're I would say. like taking their approach. But at this but I mean it goes back to like Sure, people can have information and different products to help them make decisions that make sense to them, but you don't have to kind of throw out there and push or promote that confusion is good or if confusion already exists. So it doesn't matter if we continue confusing people even further. Yeah, that is so (laughs) annoying. It really pisses me off. So I think we should also mention to the listeners that we have not actually reached out to AccuWeather for their <laughs> side of the story. Um, what started no. off as rather objective has gone a little bit subjective with us. Um, yeah, sorry. So sorry about that. <laughs> but again, we're not journalism. We're just talking. Um, but it, I would, if we do have time, I would like to reach out to them and get their feedback on on what we're asking, what we're talking about. Because it is important to, to get their side and to maybe they can clarify some things. Maybe there's some things that we will find out later on this year, you know, more information about how the scale mm-hmm. will work. But um, we just don't know that. We're only basing this podcast episode off on the news release that they've sent out, the videos that they've discussed this idea. But again, there's not that much information about it yet. That's why we're rather critical. But we're asking the questions, I think, and, and talking about things that I believe people in the weather community are also saying as well. So we want to capture those ideas. If we're wrong, if we stepped out of line, let us know. I mean, I, I really want to know. But I feel like I've, I have a pretty good pulse on what people are saying. And for the most part, it's not great. Some people are happy with it. I'd say most are not in the weather community. Okay. Um, final thoughts or wrap-up points? What is your big takeaway from this? My big takeaway from this is, honestly, I think it's a great idea. I think that this is something that maybe not long overdue, but has deserved a lot of attention and discussion. I believe the implementation of it is very premature and I would like there to have been more, you know, cross-disciplinary research or discussion into this idea before it was implemented because I do not believe that is the case. There was a lot of potential for it, but also a lot of potential for confusion and, um, bad things to happen. And so I I hope that does not happen. I don't wish that. But if it does happen, you know, maybe talk about those issues and and work to resolve them and see how it plays out this year. Wow. Couldn't have said it better myself. Will you say anything? (laughs) I don't know if I can because you just took all the talking points that I was going to say. Talking points. (laughs) I also also believe that it's very... Like it's a very uh, important thing that we're doing. I think it's we've t- 
talked about it for years and I, I think I kind of give them a lot of credit for taking a stand and doing something about it um, because we continue to have these conversations at conferences and on Twitter about how we need to make sure other hazards are integrated into the Cypher Simpson scale. Um, so for them to go push forward and try and tackle this problem, I think is very noteworthy. Um, but again, I think it really comes down to the intricacies of how is this going to be communicated? Are they going to talk about like how are they how are they going to convey it like with categories with a rating with an index um, how are people going to understand it and interpret it if you put it side by side with um, a category from the Saffir Simpson scale is that going to create inconsistencies um, I could go on and on about different questions I have and it's even kind of making me think about some future project ideas yeah just saying um, but I think overall it is a much needed topic and discussion. And if anything, maybe this draw to this will kind of ignite yeah. maybe the National Hurricane Center or like more collaboration between researchers and the National Hurricane Center to start thinking about like ways to improve the Saffir Simpson scale or to start thinking about it or having making these conversations more serious. Yeah, I agree. I think it's great potential. So we'll see what happens. I don't want to, you know be all negative nancy here but um, maybe give some benefit of the doubt maybe there is some idea to do this in the future and I, I sure hope so for the sake of all of us really We hope you enjoyed the episode, the first episode of 2019. Um, we should have a lot of great things coming up this new year, so we hope that you'll stick around. Yeah. And as always, you can find us in a variety of places, including facebook.com slash weatherhype and also weatherhypepodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at weatherhype, both words weather and hype, or send us a lovely email at weatherhype at gmail.com. We love reviews and we love to hear your feedback on not only this episode, but other episodes as well and how we're doing. So feel free to leave those reviews in your favorite platform where you listen to Weather Hype, whether that be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. I could go on. I don't remember them all, but we have lots. So take your pick. We really haven't had a review in like a hot minute. So <laughs> we know y'all listening. Like we know y'all here. Drop us some words. That would be great. Yeah. Just to like make our podcast relevant on itunes that would be like that would be super, super appreciated cool. i don't want to have to make spam yeah. accounts and and <laughs> oh we could do that we could do That's that true. but that wouldn't be true to you know what we believe in what we do that would be kind of a little shady but you know slim shady always like some good shade shade <laughs> is never a bad thing oh my gosh um anyway uh i just hit the door by accident with my elbow oh the door oh the door it's a great way to end the episode how is that all aboard the plane train. <laughs> what? I don't, know. I don't know why I said that. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, as I get ready to exit this door, I think it's where we get ready to uh, exit this podcast episode. So. Oh, nice transition. Oh, yeah. By nice, you mean, wow, that was really forced and terrible. Yeah, of course. Anyway, um, until next time. Until next time. Stay hyped. Stay hyped. Wow, that was really... <laughs> you didn't sound like you were Sorry. hyped at all. <laughs> 
Start. Did I not? Stay hyped. Okay, Grandma. Stay hyped. <laughs> okay, little girl. <laughs> I'll edit that one in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wait. Please don't stop the please don't stop the music. I watched Pitch Perfect on the airplane the other day. Which one? Great, the first one. Oh gosh, yeah. Funny that you mentioned that because um my roommate and I yesterday were singing songs to the Pitch Perfect soundtrack on uh mm, our Google Home. Great. Yeah. We're just like, man, it's nice to have somebody else in the house that can sing a little bit. <laughs> Not that I can sing very well, I'm pretty bad. Wait, which roommate? Um, I can probably guess. The homeowner. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. How do we start this conversation? That's we should a, probably... That's a great question. We should probably welcome everyone back... Yeah, that sounds to good. ...to 2019. Season four. Season four. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, would you like to start? Would you like me to start? It does not matter. All you right. tell me. I'll do it. Why not? Okay. All righty. Three, two, one. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Three. Shut <laughs> <laughs> Just get your laughs out right now. Nah, nah, nah. Okay. Three, two, one.